Welcome to the Bounty Zero X podcast. I'm your host, Angelo Adam, founder and CEO of Bounty Zero X. Bounty Zero X is a decentralized bounty hunting network powered by the BNTY token. Today is November 29th, 2018, and my guest on the show is Bill Ottman. Bill is the CEO of Minds.com. In 2011, Ottman co-founded Minds, an open-source social network platform that launched to the public in 2015. Minds has over a million registered users and over 100,000 monthly active users. And unlike Facebook, Minds is built on radical transparency, believes in transparency, fairness, and internet freedom, where users can earn cryptocurrency for contributions to the community. And the Minds code is 100% free and open source. So, Bill, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. So tell me a little bit about Minds. Where did the idea come from and how does the platform work? Sure. So the idea came from basically understanding that there's an inevitability that a free, open source, private, more decentralized alternative social network is going to emerge. It's, it's just It's just like a natural gravitation of the internet. You know, we... We saw it happen with Wikipedia. You know, we're seeing it happen with Bitcoin and crypto in general. People want more transparency. They want more control. So if you have two social networks, one proprietary, secretive, manipulating you and your data, and another that is doing the opposite of those things and actually rewarding you and protecting your privacy and giving you access to the information of, of what's going on behind the scenes. I mean, you know, if as long as those are functionally competitive with each other, most people are going to pick the open and transparent one. So we just have been building it for, for a bunch of years now, and, and we keep gaining momentum as each of these scandals comes out. You know, everyone's fed up, but the, they're also stuck because they're – these apps are so entrenched in our lives and our computers and our, our phones. So it's hard to extract it. And it's going to be a long, gradual process as you know, alternatives rise up and become functionally competitive. But that's what's happening. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone can relate to that. You know, we especially now in the news lately, it's especially prescient with the topics of freedom of speech and censorship that and privacy that all of the current social media platforms are facing criticism over the data that they share of, that belongs to the users and uh, the censorship of the content created by the uh, users of the platforms. And so Minds is offering an alternative, an alternative solution that users can sign up for and use instead of what is currently the market uh, leader or the market, uh, the products in the market that are available. So I think you would agree in the network effects are the main drivers that lead to these larger you know, monopolies or large companies in the space like Facebook or Twitter, because the more users on the networks, the more valuable it becomes. So even if there are alternatives that are equally good, one of the arguments people make is, well, that no one's on them or you know, that it doesn't make sense to join them because there's nothing happening on them. So how do you guys combat that? And so you mentioned it's a gradual process over time. And as more and more people get frustrated with the current status quo, they switch over. And eventually, in theory, the, the argument goes that, well, enough people will switch that it will reach a tipping point and 
you know, the platforms which align with people's values will overtake and replace those which don't. Is that how you would say the argument goes? Or are there any points? Yeah, I think it's a combination. I mean, you know, we have, even though, you know, we're a million and a half users, but the odd reality is that users, especially in the small to medium-sized content creator world, are getting better reach on Minds than they are getting on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And this is because we have a tool called Boost, where so you earn the tokens every day based on the engagement and contributions. And you can then, you one token will give you a thousand impressions on whatever content you boost. And so this is a release valve out of the void. And, you know, the algorithms on Facebook and other networks are so bad now that you can hardly even reach your own followers because their newsfeed is such a just mess of variables. And we don't know even why you're seeing what you're seeing. And so there's, yes, we need to achieve critical mass. We need to keep getting major influencers to drop links and sign up and we need viral events to occur. And we've had a few of these happen where, you know, multiple times we've received like hundreds of thousands of users in just like days. And this is how this is going to keep happening. And we need to keep figuring out how to hit those nerves. And, you know, in conjunction with just regular solid growth as all the disillusioned people are moving over. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to predict. There's a lot of hard, gradual work involved. And there's also trying to put your thumb on the pulse and, or not your thumb, your finger, and figure out how to enter into, you know, major global consciousness. So, and that's much more complicated. That's like mimetic strategy, which is, uh, you know, a very interesting area to, to be, to be working on. Yeah. I mean, Minds has a number of features, which you mentioned like the boost feature, which lets you exchange tokens to promote your content, you know, wiring, peer-to-peer payments, sending tokens, upvoting, earning for the content and contributions you make to the network. So there are a lot of economic incentives for users on other platforms to join Minds or other uh, freedom freedom platforms which support their non-censorship and uh, censorship resistance and other features. So... You know, also there's just market power, market power that influencers and creators have when they, you know, group together. So what are your thoughts on like a a union or some type of mass exodus of content creators to all form a file, have a pledge where they say, we're all going to leave uh, X platform on X date unless they make the following changes? That's a great idea. I haven't, a content creator union would definitely be, be a valuable movement. We have seen like hashtag delete Facebook, you know, which we saw a huge surge when that was happening. But yeah, listing demands is, uh, is, is a very powerful possibility. I think, um, has anyone, do you know anyone who's done that? Is that being worked on? I have, I've heard people mention it, uh, but I haven't heard any like hard, I haven't seen, seen anything done in that respect, but I've heard people discuss it as a you know, one one of many potential you know routes people could take to. Well, the um, issue is that the, that the large creators um, are very dependent on these big platforms. You know, their revenue is dependent on whether it's YouTube or you know whatever major 
outlet they have with with millions of followers or whatnot. So getting people to commit to leave if certain things aren't done is, you know, it's a big ask. And, you know, when livelihoods are on the line, it gets very complicated. So I I definitely support a, a gradual supplementation. The first step is to get the biggest creators in the world at least having a presence on the alternative and building up their backup so that they're even putting themselves in a position to to make that threat. So, and it's also, it's hard to go cold turkey. I, you know, I'm, I'm off those platforms now. It's, it took me a while though. And it, it's, it's not, not an easy move to make. So if, if we can get a handful to, to do that, then that would be extremely powerful. And I think that all methods are positive. I think that if we can do a union, you also have creators who are just supplementing all of the above. And, and, you know, over time, look, people, People are sick of Facebook. They don't like it. No one likes what is happening with, you know, carrying around these surveillance bots in our pockets and, you know, just sort of being slave to it. And just, it, it feels dirty, but it's just where we're at technologically as society. So it's just one step at a time. You also can't feel too guilty about it. So do you think that the Facebooks and Twitters of the world will change or and make concessions? And I think maybe some users are saying, oh, well, they'll get the hint. And if, mm-hmm. if we don't change, we'll lose all users. So the market will force them to change. Or do you think they are just so far down the road that it would take too much of a, it's almost like they have too much infrastructure in place, the way things are that it's, and it's too difficult for them to make changes at this point or, or, or somewhere in between. That's a really good question. I mean, I think that I'm not seeing, even based on the last couple of years of scandals, the if you look at the actual infrastructural changes that they've made whether it's you know the ad, the ad transparency with facebook you know quasi transparency or you know the demonetization that was happening over at youtube it hasn't really improved in any sort of meaningful way i think that they put a big fancy colorful polish on top of something that's not infrastructurally meaningful. Like, you know, they're not open sourcing their software. Until they do that, they they literally have to do that to for it to be meaningful and for it to be a real alternative. I don't I don't think that it's a sustainable long-term platform unless it is is open source and moving towards decentralization and giving users as much control and you know being opted out of surveillance by default these kinds of things are the the real changes and so you know they're going to try to say that oh you know we're giving you these new tools but un- unless it's you know those things that i outlined i i really don't consider it meaningful transformation so mine's one of the guiding principles is the the Manila principle on intermediary liability, which has a number of uh, you know guiding points, including that uh, intermediary should be shielded from liability from third party content. So you guys have adopted this this uh, bill of rights. Where did that idea come from? And tell me a little bit about that process of sure. So it is it's complicated. So the Manila principles are sort of like the ideal. They essentially, yeah, say that you're not going, you don't have to take down content without a court order. Now, I think that that's like 
an ideal, which is sort of our goal. And we're like aiming towards that. Our, our policy is that as long as it's lawful in the US, it can be on the site. And that so obviously opens us up to a whole world of content that's not allowed on Facebook and, and Google. So, you know, but this is just necessary because if, if you have terms that are not just what's legal in the US, then you you have an inconsistent policy enforcement situation, which is what's happening on all of the major platforms where, you know, X offensive post gets taken down, Y offensive post doesn't, and you don't know really the rationale for what's going on. And it's just totally subjective and just unclear. I mean, we even have difficulty doing this with a much more open content policy because there's still edge cases with with what's legal. So, you know, we're not necessarily, like, for instance, someone's spamming the network or like making violent threats or whatnot. Like we are taking that content down because, you know, waiting for a court order to take down like a clear violent threat. That's like, I mean, I think that that it sort of is the direction that I think we're trying to go, but we're also trying to, protect the network at the same time like you can't just like you know spam isn't necessarily like illegal but it you know it, you can get attacked like the network gets attacked by spam so for us to wait for core you know there's certain things that are just not practical with regards to the manila principles but the manila principles are an essential document so do you kind of understand the the gray area and the nuance involved with that, with like our terms and the Manila principles side by side? Yeah, it is a tough, you know, line and it's a gray area with no black and white. And with Facebook, they're hiring, they have like teams of thousands of people whose sole job is to moderate content on these platforms. And to the extent that, you know, Facebook is making business decisions in some instances to block certain content. And, and you know, in some cases, it's just, and not out of any bad bad intentions or bad motivations. It's just like a difficult. And, you know, even if, let's say, they wanted to support freedom of speech and be censorship resistant, you know, handling the nuances of all the different jurisdictions and the edge cases is just a, a difficult problem to solve from a technical perspective. And so my understanding is they're, you know, investing a lot in like the machine learning algorithms. But, yeah, it's just... A, a difficult challenge for any company to face, even if you're a company with, you know, uh, censorship resistance as one of your leading principles. Yeah, I mean, I think that they are they are doing things with machine learning at yeah, jurisdiction. It is complex, and like I, I'm not blaming them for you know everything. I understand you know there, people will scream censorship in a lot of cases where it's just not rational, but I think that their policy is just completely flawed and and rotten it 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 could they could be saving themselves so much overhead if they would just open up the content policy and understand that look people on the internet are going to do what people on the internet do as long as you're giving good filtering tools you know not putting that kind of stuff in front of people's faces i mean even twitter and tumblr have slightly more open policies with regards to things like like nudity and art and, and stuff like that. So I think that it's just very problematic for the biggest communications platforms in the world to have these extremely restrictive policies. I'm, and I'm not saying Twitter and Tumblr have it right. They they don't. They're slightly better than Facebook, but but not much. Yeah, I was reading this, listening to this podcast about Facebook's content moderation policies and how 
they have like these specific rules set up for every potential uh, edge case and they're constantly changing and adopting these rules. And obviously that it's like a huge burden uh, and economic incentive and, and investment to to spend all the time, you know, but so much content is being updated to these to websites like Facebook on a daily basis that you have to have thousands of people constantly moderating. And then what are the rules and what are the different jurisdictions and how they change based off of each country's rules. And then you have the other components of like certain countries, like in the European Union, where they're coming to these websites and saying, well, you need to follow our content policies. And so then websites just make those content policies global, even instead of segregating them by different jurisdictions. So, you know, it's, it's really complicated. Yeah. And we've sort of taken the approach that we're just going to be following the U.S. And, you know, when we run into issues with other countries, we're, we're going to run into issues with with other countries. And, you know, then you have the possible solution of just decentralizing everything, making everything more peer to peer so that, you know, there's not even a server where a piece of content lives that a country or whoever could come and, you know, request for it to be taken down. So that's more of an uncensorable infrastructure, which we are working on on the side for a project called Nomad. It's public on our GitHub now, github.com slash mind slash Nomad. And that uses Ethereum addresses for the usernames and the DAT protocol, which is a really awesome project, peer-to-peer, torrent-based, and you access it through the what's called a beaker browser. And it's like dat colon slash slash. And it, that just these types of routes around the problem are, are really interesting. So, but then within the, whether it's crypto and, you know, immutable blockchains or torrent based systems, you have the problem of once it's up there, it's up there and you're, you know, getting it down is a problem. So then you have the nuance between the control over your content to be able to delete it versus the control over it not being censored. And and there's a paradox involved there. So what we're trying to, I think parallel infrastructures are important so that the user then has the ability to say, okay, I want this on a server that I could potentially delete from, or a user being able to say, okay, I want this to kind of go into the ether. But then, you know, you have risks on both sides because with blockchains and torrent-based systems, you, you know, Bad stuff can get unleashed into the wild, and but it's also a huge protector of free speech. So we don't have a perfect system. Yeah, I agree. So well, let's change topics and jump on over to the kind of like the economic incentives and that are that are at play on the Mines platform. So you have the cryptocurrency, which is a Ethereum-based token, an ERC twenty token, which is used to reward users for creating content. So what have your what has your experience been so far on how that's been playing out and what type of user feedback have you been getting from users of the platform who say, you know, we really love this feature, but why can't I do this? And I think this works well, but this doesn't work so well. It's been overwhelmingly positive. So we had a, a point system before we moved to ERC-20 tokens when we first launched the mobile app in, in 2015. And so you would earn the points and then you could use them for similar utilities that you can now. But, you know, moving to the blockchain and creating like a transparent limited token token supply with just much better token economics and distribution and less fraud. I mean, there, there's been all of these improvements by moving to uh, the blockchain. And 
it's 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 the best. I mean, we love it. We love our community loves uh, this reward system. Every day you earn tokens based on the engagement you receive and your referrals and a number of other variables. And so we just have this gamification embedded into the network, which I just think we're going to see more and more apps emerging with with this. People are going to start expecting it because why wouldn't uh, your the network and the platform you're using be rewarding you for your time. You know, you're valuable. Your energy online means something. And the big networks don't really seem to understand that, that, that their users' time and energy matters. I mean, <laughs> on Facebook, you know, I have uh, some friends who ran these huge Facebook pages called, one called the Free Thought Project and another called Anti-Media. They're sort of alternative media but you know, good journalism and uh, re- really, really thought-provoking content. They both million, both these pages have like five million followers. They both just got banned, mm-hmm. and you know, hundreds of Facebook pages just got banned out of nowhere. I mean, these people dedicated, you know, these were not scammers. These were not like the the content was not even particularly controversial. These are people who spent like a decade building these these followings on Facebook, and then it's just gone. So Facebook clearly doesn't have any sort of respect or gratitude for even their power users. So, and and there's no transparency or communication with those people. It's just, it's just a big mess. So I think that more networks should adopt reward systems, which we're actually trying to team up with, with other networks and platforms and websites to, you know, so they can reward our tokens and, you know, then actually use them to, to get more eyeballs on their, on their content. Yeah, that'd be great. We could maybe talk about how we could use our Bounty Zero X token on the in our platform and vice versa. Maybe we could uh, see if there's any routes where it would make sense to do something like that. Absolutely. So you have all these other platforms that are ex- experimenting with the gamification and tokens. And do you think you have found the right formula? Do you think there's going to be tweaks to it? And what do you think? Oh, yeah. No, there's going to be a lot of tweaks. I think that the tokenomics is such a fascinating field and and yeah tweaking rewards tweaking incentives i think that this is going to be an ongoing process we haven't been able to put nearly enough energy into it i i think that we really need multiple full-time people you know really just dedicated to it figuring out analytics around you know what what people are are finding most valuable Um, what, what are your thoughts yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think it is very complicated to find that right formula. And uh, it's going to be uh, Veracity, like a video hosting platform, blockchain-based with a token model, hired a economics. Uh, we had them on the podcast a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, they hired this uh, a token economics advising firm with mm-hmm. uh, and produced like a 40-page paper with formulas and for how the token model works. And so, yeah, and Steam is another platform out there that is uh, working on their uh, token model and figuring out how to make it work. And, you know, as of the time of this, uh, you know, they recently had their 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 posts, how they're, you know, cutting down, cutting down on the size of the development team due to the decline in price of the market and, you know, figuring out how to make the, the system work. So it seems like they're working on something to, you know, 
to to make the numbers work. And yeah, I, I think it's a, a challenge to to you know get all the different levers working in the right way and all the economic incentives aligned for all the parties because you have the content creators, you have the consumers of the content, and you have to you know reduce all of the you know the you know gaming uh, gaming as in like uh, taking yeah. advantage or, or fraud, fraud yeah. or fraudulent actors. Absolutely. We found that, um, so with the old point system, we used to reward people for generating content. So like just when you would post a blog or a newsfeed post or whatnot, you would earn some points. But we quickly, you know, we found that that was the most gamed by far. So we've moved towards a much more engagement based. So like based on engagement that you receive, as opposed to something that someone can just quickly build a bot to you know do a post every number of minutes and whatnot and rate limits are are an important advancement that we made this year to to you know get rid of i mean you're never going to get rid of bots it's more controlling the bots and coexisting with the bots so that you know and and certain bots are actually not bad you know it's just certain automated behavior can can benefit a network but you just need to make sure that bots aren't able to exploit anything to a degree that is really damaging to the economy so i think that yeah looking at every function making sure that it's not too gameable and understanding also rewards that a regular person can reasonably achieve you know you don't want it so that only big influencers can earn you don't want it so the 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 issue with steam though i you know generally respect what they're doing is that the more steam you hold the more voting power you have on mines everyone's vote is worth the same so how much you earn every day is based on the total unique engagement you're receiving as opposed to you know if you got the attention of a couple whales and so have you found that that is a better system to have the total engagement over any 24-hour period and then dividing that up yes. and, and the pool of rewards? And the pool of rewards is is, is generated out of the – what is, is there – how does that total pool of rewards over each given period generated? That's tied to the growth of the network actually. So every day we're generating tokens based on active users and but you know though that is actually the area that we're focusing on right now you know deciding if the amplifier or the yeah if that amount of tokens that we're releasing every day is the right amount if that needs to be more or less and you know yeah those formulas are are really are really key and i think that you know anyone they're open for anyone to to use or or share and help and that you know that's the power of open source too and i think there's a lot of other projects that you know we're all learning from each other and so you know i i I would love to get more into tokenomics i think as soon as we stabilize other components of the site and just I, i that is where i want to be spending most of the time because i think for creating viral effects network effects really getting that right is one of the most powerful ways to probably uh, achieve the the critical mass. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's a critical component of making the incentives aligned. Um, so, so let's jump to a different topic. Um, you mentioned that you guys are, you know, working on stabilizing the site um, and the token economics. So what, what is your day-to-day 
uh, like as the uh, co-founder and or CEO of the company? What is what are your responsibilities and where, where do you spend your time um, on any given day? Uh, pretty diverse. I mean, anything from the operating plan, uh, financials, looking at our projections, we have a very unique operating plan, like, because we sell, so people can either earn the tokens or buy them. And we, when we sell the tokens, that's coming in as deferred revenue. And then, so it's sort of like a gift card or like a video game token. Then when the tokens are used as advertising or whatnot, that's when we actually register the revenue. And so, you know, the, the financial end of things is, is also interesting. Um, so spending a lot of time on that and just, you know, staying lean, making sure that, um, our headcount plan is, is on point. I'm working a lot on hiring right now. You know, team building is probably the number one thing that differentiates successful from unsuccessful companies. So, we're, uh, you know, in a lucky position to be able to do some hiring, definitely focusing on developers. Um, and let's see what else. Also, influencers think that always thinking about network effects, always, you know, thinking about rewards. I'm definitely putting energy into that. Uh, I also try to be active on minds. Um, I, I want to be using our product as much as possible because if, for as much of my day-to-day as possible, you know, using our groups for our uh, internal conversations, using, I feel like if I'm not using our tools, then why would someone else? So, and this is how I feel with extracting Google from from my life and other uh, proprietary networks. It's like, if I can migrate my activity to minds for all different uh, purposes of my day-to-day communications, then, you know, my use case and everyone on our, on our team's use case is that's, what's also going to achieve the network effect, you know, making sure that we're walking the walk and, you know, why would it get mass adoption if it cannot even get internal adoption? And so I do find myself using it a lot more. I, I mean, I get better engagement on, on minds than I do on other social networks. So, so that's a plus. I think that, you know, we're going to be focusing on messenger a lot more, um, because messenger is just entwined in, in everything and we're m- moving towards an end-to-end encrypted system. So that's a big project that we're taking on. Uh, we're also playing with video conferencing right now, integrating that into our groups using a cool uh, platform called Jitsi, which is open source, uh, yeah. and yeah, encrypted. And yeah, they're, they're really, they're really great. And yeah, I'm kind of all over the place, but I, 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 but also focus if that is possible. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you guys are working on a lot of different features and, and, uh, you have a lot of upcoming, uh, releases. So how many folks do you have working on the development team and with the company as a whole now? There's only like 10 of us. Um, pretty much split between my ops stuff and, and developers, but we're, I mean, like I mentioned, hiring is, is my main focus right now. So it, it's just incredible how, how important having a really honed tight development team is. I mean, it, it's literally the difference of half a year of productivity. Yeah. You know, ha- ha- having developers who are just, delivering 
clean code that, that doesn't require constant back and forth with, with code reviews is, you know, it, it's really irreplaceable. It's hard to find. It's very, very competitive market. But, you know, what we're finding is that developers want to work with us. And I think that's largely because we're open source. I, I encourage all companies to go uh, free and open source because it's so much more valuable for developers. You know, their work actually gets to get seen. It's not just buried in some repo that, you know, never sees the light of day. It actually gives them more pride in, in what they're doing and they feel like they're contributing to something that is, you know, much more community oriented. And um, let's see. Yeah, we're also releasing our API later this year, which is going to be big for developers. We've been working a lot on our on our in installation tools with like Docker and, and Kubernetes and drone and continuous integration. So, you know, giving people a tool, giving developers a tool that they can use for themselves and their own application development. Uh, you know, we want to gravitate developers to us to, you know, participate in the open source or even potentially get hired. I think that, you know, the model's already been set. We, there's so many immensely successful open source projects that, you know, have thousands of community developers and, and you know, they get irreplaceable contributions from them. And so it's like a give and take because anyone can actually take our code and start their own social network. And we want people to do that. And we want uh, people to contribute and, and leverage Nomad as much as they can. So I don't see how any enterprise product. I, I think the, the gravity is just moving towards free and open source software. I, I am going to be shocked if in like 20 years we see much proprietary software at all. Yeah, we talked about making our uh, code base uh, open source and something that we're probably going to do uh, in the future. Um, you know, there's a lot of fear around it because people think, oh, someone's going to run away with my idea and, you know, compete with us. But to be honest, it's just really unnecessary fear, especially you can use cool licenses. Like we use the AGPL v3, which is the, um, you know, newest GPL. And essentially anyone can take your code, do whatever they want with it, sell it, modify it. But if they make changes, they have to share their changes with you and with everyone else and this sort of keeps the playing field balanced and allows you to help each other as opposed to um compete and you know competition within your code base is good you want more people in your code so i i have literally not even seen any negative effects from it it's, it's only brought us positive yeah um so before we finish up, I want to be respectful of your time and um, we'll just ask a couple more questions. Um, so where are you guys based? Uh, where is the uh, headquarters? We are actually fully remote right now. We just uh, switched. We had a, well, we had an office in Connecticut and then also one in Brooklyn last year. We still have one in Connecticut. I live in Connecticut. But, um, yeah, we're fully remote for, for the time being. We're probably going to be looking at bringing the team together next year somewhere. But, you know, remote is also very valuable. It's very appealing to uh, hires as well. Yeah. Yeah, we're also currently remote, uh, all, all spread out everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, so 
and you guys have held uh, your your seed round where you raised three hundred fifty thousand back in two thousand eleven. Have you guys had Series A rounds or subsequent funding rounds since then? Yeah, just so you know, I realized I have one percent left, so I'm, I might cut off. Yeah, we just did a six okay. million dollar uh, raise from uh, Medici Ventures, which is a blockchain focused firm, and we did a crowdfunding equity crowdfunding round through WeFunder last year, which was epic, and we did, we did like a million in like two weeks. Um, that and, and so it's just. Um, yeah, the Series A has been huge. It, it gives us a whole new wave to ride, and and we're really, uh, you know, going to work as hard as possible to to make this happen. I, I think the world wants it. We we just uh, we have to bring all the right people together, and it's not just going to be us. You know, I think we can federate and work with other social networks as well. You know, I I think that it's not like a one ring to rule them all scenario. Yeah. Uh, well, congratulations on the Series A and. Uh... You know, uh, it's, we you know are happy to uh, you know help you guys out in any way we can at Bounty Zero X and you know support what you're doing and the work that you're doing. I think it's very valuable, and we're uh, look forward to seeing the platform develop. And we'd love to have you back on the podcast uh, in the future for another episode when you guys have more updates yeah. and you know, new releases. Thanks for having uh, me. Yeah, it's 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 going to cut off, but thanks so much. Let's make sure to get you guys on, and uh, you know I'll. We'll, We'll um, get you playing with some tokens, and I'd love to collaborate. So let's keep the conversation going. All right, great. Uh, my guest right, on the cheers. show today has been uh, Bill Ottman. Bill is CEO of Minds.com. Bill, it's great, great having you. We'll speak again soon. Awesome. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Bounty Zero X podcast. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast below. Check out BountyZeroX.io, the number one bounty hunting platform where you can complete work and earn cryptocurrency. Please consult your professional financial investment and tax advisors before making any investment in initial coin offerings. Bounty Zero X does not provide investment or financial advice and does not endorse or recommend investment in any ICOs advertised on the Bounty Zero X podcast or website.